this morning in the spirit of the, the Thanksgiving holiday, I want to talk about gratefulness. So uh, turn in your, in your Bibles, if you would, to uh, Psalm 136. And uh, if you have like a, a real Bible, like a paper copy, you know, like put your finger in Psalm 136, hold it there, and then uh, you can also go to Psalm 103. We're going to look at those texts this morning. Psalm 136 and Psalm 103. We're going to have a little bit shorter message this morning, and then we're going to land in some worship together. Psalm 136. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the God of gods, for his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his mercy endures forever. And turn over to Psalm 103 and start in verse 2. David says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good. Let's pray. So this morning, Father, we, uh, we want to pause. We just simply want to acknowledge that apart from you, uh, we would not even be sitting in this room with breath in our lungs. We would not be alive apart from you. In you, we live and move and have our, our being. Um, and it's even over and above that, it's amazing. It's incredible that um, because of the blood of your son and his resurrection, Father, you've saved us and you've made us sons and daughters of the King. That is mind-blowing this morning. And so, God, um, beyond a, a holiday weekend, beyond a sermon moment, beyond just even the afterword of this time, God, I pray that you would make us a radically grateful people as a, as a culture, as as a people, as a lifestyle, you would make us both individually and together grateful, grateful people. Lord, would you do that for your glory and our good? And we pray it in the name of Jesus. And all the church said, amen, amen, amen. All right, so I want to start this morning with a, a definition of gratefulness. This is uh, straight from the dictionary, which next to the Bible is like the most convicting book in the world, right? Definition of grateful, warmly or deeply appreciative of kindness or benefits received. Now I want to read it again, but ask yourself, does, does this describe me? Grateful, warmly or deeply appreciative of kindness or benefits received. This morning, um, the message is, is not like a moralistic one, like, Christian, you should be more grateful. Get it, right? This, this is a heart thing. This isn't just about you, you know, adding more thank yous to your vocabulary, like, during your days. That's, that's not where we're going with this. My hope this morning is to inflame your hearts with worship to such a degree that 
gratefulness is like produced inside of our hearts because that's what we need, right? We need a work of God done inside of our hearts to become these kinds of people. We need to like recognize and realize the massive undeserved gracedness, right? Gracedness of our very existences, much less like our life in God together. That's what produces it in our heart. What we are talking about today is one of the core essentials, the basics of following Jesus. Number one, it's the way Jesus lived his life, right? Think, of, think about his life, right? Multiple times where he's thanking God specifically, right? When he, before he feeds the 5,000 at the Last Supper, he's thanking God. And then secondly, thankfully, it's just a command in Scripture. Look at Psalm 136 here. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. As, so as people of the book who live under its authority, it has the right to tell us what to do and what not to do, right? We're commanded to be a grateful people. So today I want to look at two kinds of gratefulness in the Bible. And we can grow in both of these. I want to show you where they are in the scriptures and then give you a few ways to grow in them. Okay, you with me? Okay, perfect. All right, we're rolling then. First kind of gratefulness, simple gratefulness, which I'll define as a heart's joyful response to a gift. Simple gratefulness, right? This is probably what you did around the Thanksgiving table. You, you thank God for the things that he's given you in your life, your health, your family, spouse, your job, right? These kinds of things, your friendships. Um, you're acknowledging that the source of those things is God, not you. Psalm 103, simple gratefulness. David commands his soul to never forget what God does for him. Remembering is the first step into simple gratefulness. And it's, it's evidence of a flowing heart. You wake up, you say, thank you, God, for waking me up this morning. And thank you, God, for keeping the breath in my lungs. Thank you, God, for keeping my heart beating. You stand up. Thank you, God, for keeping me upright. The older I get, the more grateful I am for that. Um, thank you, God, for a shower and hot water if you have that, right? Thank you, God, for the food that you've given me. That's simple gratefulness, and it is at the very heart of worship. Here's, here's how I think it works. Call this the mechanics of gratefulness. It's, the, it's really the very point of the gospel. 2 Corinthians 4 in verse 15, Paul says, as grace extends to more and more people. So, so Paul's, he's talking about the, the real life setting that the gospel is invincible. It's unstoppable. Grace is spreading to more and more people all over the nations, all over this region, right? As people are waking up and realizing that the creator God is holy and high and powerful, but he also came near and, and gave his very life. As that's happening, it may increase what? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving to the glory of God. So when we're really amazed, either on, like for the first time when we hear the gospel, 
and we realize that he died the death that we deserve. He took on the punishment for our sin upon himself, right? Maybe for the first time or maybe the 500th time in community group, you're spending time with Jesus or you're taking the Lord's table, wherever that is, when we're really amazed by grace, what happens, what happens is we're automatically humbled. It's what happens when we realize grace. We are, we're automatically, like in our hearts, humbled. We're humbled. Humility is the reflexive response to grace. And what always comes out of humility, this is true on the horizontal level, it's also true on the vertical level, what always comes out of humility is thankfulness to the giver. Always. Right? You're you're dirt poor, you're trying to make ends meet, you're struggling through somebody out of the abundance, they give you $10,000. What comes out? Once you get words out, it's thank you. Thank you. Grace produces gratitude. And the, and the crazier the favor, the greater the gratitude. The crazier the favor, the greater the gratitude, right? So grace leads to humility and humility leads to thanksgiving and all that grace-fueled thankfulness results in God being honored, God being made much of, God receiving glory. So the point of the gospel isn't ultimately like you and I becoming more moral law-abiding, good citizen people. That's not the point of the gospel. There may be a byproduct that he changes our hearts, changes our ways. Yes, God be praised for that. But ultimately, the point of the gospel is that there would be worship to God, that he would be made much of and glorified. That's the point of the gospel. So if simple gratefulness is fueled by God's grace, the reverse is also true. Simple ungratefulness right, is the first step that the enemy uses to harden a heart. It's the, the downward spiral of the human heart starts with ungratefulness. Look at Romans 1. It says, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. So, so maybe you're here and uh, you would say, in your heart of hearts, I'm an agnostic. I just don't really know or I don't really believe. Or maybe you just say, truthfully, I'm an atheist. First thing to say is, and it is awesome that you're here. That's beautiful. And all of your questions and all, all your uh, concerns or arguments or whatever is absolutely welcome here. But let me, let me throw out a question. And genuinely, I'd love to process this with you if you'd be so willing. But here's, here's the question I want you to consider if you're an atheist or an agnostic. You don't buy into the God thing. Who do you have to thank for the things that are completely outside of yourself? The things that you enjoy, right, that you didn't produce and you don't have any control of, but you enjoy them. Who do you have to thank? Who do you have to thank for the blue in the sky, right? For the, for the smell 
of a newborn baby's head, right? Who do you have to thank for the breath in your lungs or for the feeling of grass on a cold, cool spring day, right? Who do you have to thank for food that just melts in your mouth and just makes your stomach sing, right? For the snow that falls and makes a drab earth absolutely glistening beautiful, right? Who do you have to thank for the mountains and the lava rocks and great words like iridescent? Is that a great word? Iridescent. Who do you have to thank? Because your heart longs to thank someone for that stuff. You're wired up to thank someone. You want to. God himself, the maker of those things, those beauties. We are in a world saturated by grace, the grace of God. And we're meant to live in awe of the glories of God in the everyday. And the heroes of the faith of mine, Rich Mullins, wrote a song that said, everywhere I go, I see you. I want to live that way. So here's three ways we can grow in simple gratefulness. Number one, recognize it's all gift. It's all gift. So would you agree that we are completely dependent on the grace of God for everything? If you don't, it's actually really completely true. You look in the scriptures. I'm going to give you some machine gun text here. Um, John 3, John the Baptist said, a man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. Paul, 1 Corinthians 4, what do you have that you did not receive? Why do you boast as if you hadn't received it? James 1, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. And then the crescendo, Romans 11, Paul says, for from him and through him and to him are all things, not some things, not many things, but from him are all all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. We live by gift. We live by gift. Francis Schaeffer, the Christian philosopher and author, he said this, true spirituality consists in living moment by moment in the grace of Jesus Christ. Let me give you one more example. It's all gift. Think of your food again. We're in the spirit of the holiday. Paul's talking about food in 1 Timothy 4, and he says, For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. You ever wonder why we pray before we eat? Is that just some sort of dead ritual? Is that some sort of, you know, thing that we're doing ritualistically because we're Christians, we're supposed to? Well, this is why. Right here, we're pausing to say thank you to the one who gave it to us. We're saying grace. We're saying grace. Grace just means gift. And you're not sinning if you dive right in, right? It's not what we're saying. It's this is a good practice. You know, we, we may have worked hard to earn the money to put the food on the table. That is absolutely true. Hard work, earning, responsibility. Yes, absolutely. It's a command of God. But ultimately, 
it's by the grace of God that you are what you are. It's by the grace of God that that's there. Because if God does not keep the sun shining and the rain falling, right, and the farmers and the cows healthy and the grocers and the truckers and the shippers and all the people involved in the supply chain not striking, you're not staring at that chicken fried steak right so beautifully in front of you. You're just not. We are not as strong as we think we are. Second way we can grow in simple gratefulness is to slow down. Slow down. To realize it's all gift, we must slow down. You will miss grace if you are rushing through life. And an ungrateful heart is like close cousin to an overhurried heart. And honestly, you all spending time with Jesus is the only way I survive as a Christian because I have to realize, I have to realize that the grace of God is, is actually for me. It's, it's for me too. As a family, the dad, our dinner table is, it's the one moment in the day when we can stop, right? It's sacred. No TV, no cell phones, no texts, no interruptions like that. For me, I'm unapologetically old school with this. Just because it's the spot, even if it's for 10 minutes in the rush of the day or whatever, that we can actually pause and acknowledge we're dependent on God. And we don't have maybe those moments of blessing and awareness of that grace, but it actually forces us to have to stop. We've got to slow down. We've got to slow down. The third uh, way that we can grow in gratefulness is to simply repent for complaining. And complaining is the opposite of gratefulness. Philippians 2, do everything without complaining or arguing. Did you hear that everything? It seems like that's all over the place in this message. Do everything without complaining or arguing. This is not God being a killjoy because he's not a killjoy. He knows what's best for us. Back to the dictionary, the definition of complain. To express feelings of dissatisfaction, resentment, or pain. To grumble. Kind of hits close to the bone again, doesn't it? Right? Not saying not be transparent about what's going on in your life, right? Or just or some sort of pulling off some sort of mental tricks of denial. That that's that's not it, right? But complaining is is expressing dissatisfaction or discontent. I don't like something, so I'm gonna tell someone about it. Right? Instead of casting our cares on Jesus, we cast them on anybody who'll listen. Right? I'm not advocating kind of this peaches and roses sort of, you know, head in the sand, right? We ought not know about the sin in the streets and not speak to it. We ought to. That's true. Um, but, you know, if our coffee is brewed wrong or like the waiter gets the shrimp salad out a little late, you know, it's an outrage. Isn't that sort of the general undercurrent of our culture? Right? I was reading a, a, a story about um, a 27-year-old missionary, you may have read it, that le- literally last Saturday, um, he was killed taking the gospel 
to an island off the coast of India, an unreached people group. He was killed for preaching the gospel. Graduated from Oral Roberts, 27-year-old guy that we may have been in the same coffee shop with. And it just sobered me to think, do we think our priorities are maybe just a little bit off when it comes to the things that we complain about? You know, in the King James Version, the word for complain is murmur, right? Murmur, 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 murmur. Imagine like the globe doing that and what that sounds like in God's ears. Oh, it's like nails on a chalkboard. Social media, fun, helpful tool, but it can be like this giant universal complaint box, right? Want to express a little bit of dissatisfaction? Facebook is here for you, right? I got a little bit of thing I want to get off my chest, Twitter. <laughs> All right, so before you lob that next sort of social media grenade, I want you to ask yourself some questions. Am I being prophetic with this post or am I just complaining? Am I willing to do something about this or am I just being a critic? And then the most helpful one I heard a couple weeks ago, let the fruit of the spirit be your guide here when it comes to social media. Um, think, will this post or tweet in me for me and for others, uh, increase love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control. That's, that's good guidance, isn't it? You know, relationships, complaining, often spring out of judging someone where our love has just simply grown cold towards them. And where there's little gratefulness, there's little humility. And where there's little humility, there is little awareness of the grace of God. The cure for complaining is not adding more thank yous to your day. It's not it. The cure is fixing your, the eyes of your heart on the face of Jesus. And I mean that completely sincerely. That's not preacher talk. I mean that. So I've experienced it. Spending daily time with God, taking one minute to notice the anguish in his face. When was the last time you did this? The, the, the torment of a crown of thorns being thrust on your head, right? The holes in his hands and in his feet and him whispering, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You cannot stare into the face of that kind of love and your heart stay hardened. You cannot stare into the face of that kind of love and not be humbled. You cannot stare into the face of that kind of love, the love of God and your complaints and your demands and your rights and your preferences not just seem petty. Right? Our stuff, just in the light of that face, fades to black. It fades to black. If you do not take the time to do that, none of that will happen. None of that will happen. If you're here, you're not a Christian, and your life, you would say, as you think of it really, is a constant complaint. It's just, it's just regular, and it's daily, and you're, you're groaning, and you're grumbling, and, that's, and you're just sick of it. You're just sick of that lifestyle of just 
Him, Jesus, his love for you is the only remedy because in the face of that kind of love, you look at his love for you in the face of that. Repenting is receiving his love. It's admitting that sin. So I want you to do something with me. There is a connect card right in front of you. We're gonna take one minute to do a little exercise. There's a pen and a connect card. Grab it. You reach out. Here's what you do. You reach out and you grab it and then you grab a pen too. At the top of that card, here's what I want you to write. Write this phrase. I thank you, God, for. I thank you, God, for. And I want you just to write a couple, three things on there. You may say, well, I've done this already. Just write a couple, three things on there that you're simply grateful for. It's going to be just a few moments of silence and we'll keep rolling. I thank you, God, for. Okay, that leads us to the second kind of gratefulness, supernatural gratefulness. It's an obedient choice in bad circumstances. An obedient choice in bad circumstances. Human nature, you all, is to be thankful for the good, not thankful for the bad. And technically, it doesn't require the Holy Spirit. Supernatural gratefulness requires the Holy Spirit. Look at Ephesians 5. Be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, the always and the everything is what requires this to be supernatural. I mean, Paul always give thanks, like for everything. Really? I mean, aren't you a little out of touch with reality? I mean, be thankful for a horrible home condition, right? A, a horrible boss. Thankful for a busted up marriage. Thank you. Thankful for a busted up body. Like, it's like Jesus saying, love your enemies and pray for those who spitefully use you. And Jesus doesn't put any qualifiers on that. And Paul doesn't put a disclaimer on this either. He really means it. In fact, in another place he says, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So the only way you can obey this uh, is if you obey the first command, which is be filled with the Spirit. Tremendous darkness defeating power and this kind of gratefulness. What happens when we thank God in the bad stuff is we're saying, I receive it into my life to work all the good that you want it to work. We are maybe even tenaciously saying, God, I trust that you're good. We're not playing mind games with ourselves. We're trying to trick ourselves into things. That's not it. We're not even like thanking God for the evil itself. Evil is evil. We ought to treat it as such. But we're saying we trust you, God, in this calamity, in this pain, that you are constantly repositioning me for my good. Because that is true. That is what he's doing if you're a child of God. It's the only way, and it doesn't turn us bitter, but it is one of the hardest things to do in the Christian life. I'll give you a couple of stories as we draw this to a close. Um, I hope it are helpful. Several years ago, 
my wife and I uh, were walking through a really, really difficult season. Um, I was in between jobs, couldn't find a job anywhere. She had a job, but it was really, really difficult. She was crying. Uh, she would call me at 1030 in the morning sometimes and just crying, uh, which as a young man um, really made me feel just chipper, right? Just horrible. It's hard. We were trying to have kids for several years, no success, walked through fertility testing and surgery and, 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 and all of that. Um, ultimately, the doctor said, you're, you're a mystery. And um, not only jobless and babyless, but for me, felt purposeless, prayerless, definitely thankless. And I remember talking to a woman that we both deeply respected. Um, for her wisdom and her mercy. She was an influence in our lives. And I remember she said, have you tried being grateful for it? Now, listen, if that had been some random stranger, I think I would have just hit him straight up right there in the mouth. Done, flat. Um, but I knew she cared. And uh, it was an absolute arrow of truth into my soul, straight from the Spirit of God. And we prayed together, and as I continued to kind of work this prayer into the soil of my heart, I don't know um, how it happened, but when I thanked God for not giving us a baby, for not giving me a job, something shifted. And it wasn't in my circumstances. Something changed on the inside of me. In receiving God's circumstances as dark and as painful and as awful and as horrible as they were in my heart, as they may be in your life, we receive them. God uses it to change us. Second story. Um, do you know why it is that we have Thanksgiving as a, national annual holiday? Well, it's because Abraham Lincoln in October 1863 um, declared that we as a nation would have a national day of Thanksgiving. And if you know your history, you know that date is right square in the middle of the Civil War, right? Three months after the Battle of Gettysburg, the worst battle 50,000 men had died. The union was still hanging in the balance. It was a dark time. Imagine being the president, despairing, right? Hard. If this nation crumbles with all of its hope and all of its goodness, it would have all fallen square on the shoulders of Abraham Lincoln. Do you know what he did? He declared that he and the nation would thank God regardless of the circumstances, that we would give thanks in everything. I'm going to read some of the words from this declaration, lengthy but powerful. This is what he wrote. He said, The year that is drawing towards its close has been filled with the blessings of fruitful fields and healthful skies. To these bounties, which are so constantly enjoyed that we are prone to forget the source from which they come, others have been added. They are the gracious gifts of the Most High God who hath remembered mercy. Is it, it has seemed to me fit and proper 
that they should be solemnly, reverently, and gratefully acknowledged as with one heart and one voice by the whole American people. I do, therefore, invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November next as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. And I recommend to them that while offering up the ascriptions justly due to him for such singular deliverances and blessings, isn't that beautiful language? They do also with humble penitence for our national perverseness and disobedience commend to his tender care all those who have become widows, orphans, mourners, or sufferers in the lamentable civil strife in which we are unavoidably engaged. For the last 155 years, right here in this season of time, we've observed Thanksgiving as a national holiday. You know why? It's because one guy decided in totally irrational uh, circumstances, totally dark, totally hopeless, totally futile, totally bonkers time, he decided we're going to give thanks to God because he's worthy to be thanked. And we are blessed because of it. So you, I don't know what war's going on in your heart, in your life. I never want us to ever be cavalier about circumstances. But may we be people who are filled with the spirit of God and even tenaciously as acts of our will say, God, trust you, thank you. You're worthy.